Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. everybody welcome back to screen heroes the film and tv podcast on the heroes podcast network i am your regular host derek i have my two lovely co-hosts with me ryan hi and ray hello i have a feeling that both of us are much less regular than you derek based on physical issues we have going on right now awesome i can neither confirm nor deny but we are back as we tend to be live here on Tuesday night in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash screen heroes. You can join us live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 central. If you don't join us live and you're listening to this later in the week on Thursday when we, we release, then it is officially the 10th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the movie. And that is what our main topic is tonight, a 10th anniversary retrospective review of the graphic novel turned film or or manga turned film depending on how you want to look at it it's definitely graphic novels i agree i agree yeah but before we do that before we we go into our main topic we of course will be discussing the latest news in entertainment and we have a few different things to discuss this week um one big one i want to get out of the way it's a, it's a little more technical but i think significant um, a judge recently basically struck down the Paramount consent decrees of 1948. And I know that sounds like old, boring, whatever, but basically what the decrees stated was that major um, production companies could not own their own movie theaters. The idea was to make sure those making movies were not also showing them to kind of create a monopoly situation. Um, it's kind of a weird decree. It uh, really only applies to a handful of production companies, including Paramount, uh, 20th Century Fox, which is now part of Disney, and then Warner Brothers. Uh, funny enough, Disney's not included. Uh, neither is Lionsgate, for example, because they they came they didn't become a distributor until later. So um, the decree was was struck down. The good news is that it means everyone's on a level playing field again. The bad news is that all of these major production companies could buy out or start up their own movie theaters if they wanted to. And you could have a Disney theater and a Paramount theater and so forth. So, guys, what do you think about that? 
Well, I would love to say that this is going to be used on, say, like Disney resorts and stuff to get some indoor things to do, and that would be it. However, this is totally going to be abused, and not only will we see a decline in uh, indie festival films being shown at places, but we'll also see... Uh, monopolies on uh, things like IMAX and um, Dolby and D-Box and it's just going to be rough all around. Yeah, I mean, nothing good is going to come from it. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, just for comparison's sake, we've already seen Disney, for example, pushing around theater chains because of the market share that they have, which is over 30% and closing in on 40% now with 20th Century Fox. And you know, you'd see a situation where Disney would buy out every IMAX screen in the country for a couple of weeks. Uh, they did this going all the way back to the, the the Tarzan remake that came out a few years ago. Was it 2013 or something like that? Um, I remember Tarantino butted heads with Disney because they bought out a special screen in L.A., the only one that he could show his Hateful Eight in 70 millimeter. Um, so I know this has been an issue already, and now that it's this decree is shut down that means everybody's just kind of free game to do that and i think yeah it's just a matter of time before you have you have one theater to go for go to for warner brothers films and a different one for disney films it's just a matter of time kind of just looking at the bright side one thing could that might be cool is if that's the case they can theme their theaters a little bit more tailored to their major ips yeah that, i mean that's on um the bright side there are small pros but more cons like you know a disney theater a warner brothers theater a paramount theater they're all gonna look really cool and honestly if we if all these little theaters start popping up and they have sold out shows i will lose my shit there's no excuse for that like unacceptable <laughs> So that's really the only things. Like aesthetically, they'll be pretty, and they basically have every possible way to never sell out. That's fair. Uh, Ryan, anything else you want to add before we move on? Nope, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Clean cup, move down. All right. Well, so uh, continuing down the Disney path, um, a couple of small small things from the Disney side. They finally have rebranded. 20th Century Fox's TV division. Um, it's just now 20th Television. So that follows suit with the movie side of things, which is not super shocking. It's a dumb name. They could have done better. Well, they wanted to keep the the logo, I think, at the end of the day is probably what that's about. It's a dumb name. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Now, the other thing that's kind of interesting here is Disney is ending the production and therefore release of live action 4K ultra hd blu-rays um a relatively new type of physical media it hasn't been around that long it's uh designed for 4k blu-ray players you know for 4k televisions and ultra hd televisions um the final two films will be released on september 15th and those will be the uh the really nice steelbook edition of hocus pocus and then home alone uh, those will be the last two live action films released in that manner. 
seems to be a move to kind of push people towards Disney Plus because they will be able to provide 4K Ultra HD versions of their films through that service. Um, it could also be a sign of just physical media not selling as well as it used to. But they've only been doing it for three years. Uh, this month marks the uh, marks the three years of Disney releasing 4K Ultra HD discs. So, do you guys care? Not care? Any any thoughts on that? No, I don't, I don't really care. I don't buy physical media, so it doesn't really matter to me. Okay, I I do. I I, I so I'm a little disappointed um, because I've been as new movies have come out, those are the versions I've been buying. So that way I would, when I did upgrade finally the 4k, I would have those already. Um, and it's just a sign of, of physical media going down, which is a bit of a bummer for me. Cause if you don't have a disc, you don't really own the movie at the end of the day. And so we'll have to kind of see what happens there. What you got next. Okay. Moving on, moving on, moving on along. All right. So last piece of uh, Disney news is uh, Tron related Tron three. So Jared Leto uh, announced that he will be uh, starring in a third Tron live action film, which will be directed by Garth Davis. Uh, There's no official reports of any other returning cast members from say Tron legacy, like Olivia Wilde, or of course, Jeff Bridges reprising his role for a third time. Um, that that has not been confirmed but we do know that a third movie is in development it might be called aries a-r-e-s jared leto posted that and then took it down relatively fast so we don't know if that's because he wasn't supposed to or if it was just wrong um but i for one am very excited about this tron is one of my favorite franchises i thought that legacy was highly underrated and i'm really excited to see what they can do now with even more modern special effects yeah should be cool i mean i'm not nearly as big a tron fan as you are but i mean i liked the last one and um you know the first one was revolutionary so i'd watch another one if it came out i completely no i completely agree with ryan of course i'm not as big of a fan of the franchise as you but um I, th- I feel like Tron is one of those franchises that exist only to highlight new tech and uh, interesting stories with what you could do with that tech. So I'm, I'm pumped. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Tron Legacy was one of the first films to use de-aging technology in a motion picture. Uh, sure, that piece doesn't hold up super well, but it did, you know, start that kickoff of a new trend of de-aging actors for roles so well it definitely looked the best when you compare it to wolverine origins and um x-men 3 last stand Mm -hmm. like those that de-aging did not hold up as well and then this one did a lot better so i think that marvel's got it down now you have to mix cgi with uh, makeup to get the best results but it did a great job for the time yeah i still think like to date the best example of it is is probably from guardians 2 yeah you know and then uh ant-man did a pretty good job and and the iron man which one was the which iron man was the one with that too that was great too i mean basically uh, Civil Marvel war has, yeah, marvel's Civil nailed war. it in every incarnation of it that they've had basically I, I think that Kurt Russell's in Guardians 2 was the first one that didn't look off like at all. I really think that was the first one that 
it looked real really really real the others always there was something about them that was a little uncanny for me and that one was the first one that i think really sold it but not that like the others are bad i'm not trying to say that what did you think of the captain marvel one captain marvels was good was good too i mean i actually had some kind of forgotten about that but uh colson i think especially was pretty solid um you know, I'm not, in these cases, I'm not great at picking up the Uncanny Valley anyway, so um, maybe it looks different to Derek, but for me, it was, uh, yeah, I, mean, I had no problem with, with the one in Captain Marvel either, or two, I guess there's several in Captain Marvel. Coulson's is great. Uh, Jackson's is good most of the time. I think his, his falls apart just because he has some fight scenes, and let's be honest, like, you know, he's just not going to be able to move like a 30 year old anymore um and so i think that just but the digital rendering bit. is pretty great it's i agree that's not his fault no 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 not at all not at all um in in tron legacy he had the advantage of literally not moving at all right <laughs> he just did a, just stand there it was a straight on shot you know and so that's uh, i think making it as easy as you could um for that situation and obviously it gets more and more complicated with with each film so yeah um switching to dc there's there's kind of a lot of ground to cover for dc so i'm not sure how much we're gonna get through here but it's gonna be like that for the next several weeks i think that's fair yeah fandom's coming up we're not going to spill a lot about it and i've been going through and release well typing up all the different guests that are going to be there and uh how they're affiliated with dc if you don't know them by name and we'll release a full article at the end of the week with everything. So it's uh it's interesting looking at that list and especially having Rachel kind of lay it out because you see that a lot of the guests are not at this point uh, affiliated with DC in any way. So um, it'll be no no real big names uh, that are affiliated with DC that I noticed. But I mean that it, it's curious to see where what they're going to be doing when I assume they're going to have something to do with DC. Also, side note, are you guys pronouncing it fandom or fandom? Uh, I think I accidentally said fandom when I should have said fandom. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know if maybe I missed something because it, it definitely looks like it's spelled fandom, but I didn't know if they were pronouncing it differently officially or what. I actually haven't heard anybody say. So. That's yeah, fair. you're totally right. I've been saying fandom because that's just a word that we use, but you're right. It's not spelled that way at all. So it's probably dome. But I don't know. I don't understand why, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, they just want to be different. Yeah. And I mean, so, okay. So a, cu a couple of things with that. Uh, we've talked many times about how we all feel DC Universe is headed out. And um, we've seen some examples of that with Doom Patrol being released as an HBO Max show. The Harlequin cartoon has already moved over to HBO Max uh, both seasons. Um, and at this point, the only show that is still in active production that is not a, that has not moved over at all is Titans. But uh, on Facebook this past week, two Facebook pages, the Harlequin page and the Titans page, renamed themselves, removing the word universe from their titles. So now they're just DC's Titans and DC's Harlequin, which I, I imagine is a sign that they are now HBO Max productions and no longer DC Universe productions. To continue down that path, there is a massive shakeup 
that has come to Warner Media, which also owns uh, DC Entertainment, DC Comics, and many, many, many people are being laid off across the board, uh, going from comic book writers and artists to production and publisher level people all the way up through executives at Warner Media. And we don't really have a good grasp of those names yet. It's been kept uh, pretty tight lipped, but the word on the street is that it will affect several hundred people. Um, and that Jim Lee, who is the current uh, chief creative officer is going to be. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Positioned as the kind of Kevin Feige of DC. Your take, guys. Anything else you want to add to that either? The layoffs are really cruel. It's, it's not okay to throw like your first convention and announce, you know, over a hundred guests some of them are behind the scenes people like there's a good chunk of people here that are you know just art direction just comic book writers just artists and they're not celebrities but they're they're making their living from dc so it's very cruel especially if any of them are some that are laid off that being said Jim Lee deserves this. He's a really good guy. He's been a dedicated artist and he has the kind of vision that I want to see come to life in on the screen. So that out of everything you just said, that's the only good thing I can foresee. Otherwise, this is really cruel and unnecessary. And this was clearly high up on the corporate ladder and had nothing to do with uh sales at comic book stores i think for me the biggest uh hit was the uh the dc collectibles uh folks apparently got completely eviscerated and there's no more they're not making like the dc direct figures any of the action figures that were produced by dc are no longer being made um and they had some really cool lines of action figures that were mainstream like at walmart's and other stores um that were really good quality and if you if you ever watch the live streams you know that i'm a i'm an action figure guy um and you know that's something that uh i'm gonna miss and you know i I'd feel bad for everybody losing their jobs but none of it really affects me personally except for that one because i do own a lot of figures from those lines and uh you know it sucks yeah, I had not heard that. So that is disappointing. Uh, you know, lots of collectors these days. That's been a, a booming industry, especially as like our generation has has started to grow up and is still collecting even as adults. Um, one thing that that may impact 
us at least as a show we, we don't know yet uh so bob greenblatt it, uh, got laid off as well and he was one of the senior executives at warner brothers including hbo max and he was kind of the guy that spearheaded the push to allow snyder to finish his version of justice league he was like the f- like kind of the flag carrying guy for this um he's also the one that noted about how much it might cost uh, when he mentioned that he would be happy if it was 30 million dollars but it was going to be more than that that was that guy um so with him gone that could mean nothing really changes for that production since it's it's really it's already on its way at this point and it would be a difficult train to stop without creating a lot of friction but it's it's hard to know since the the main champion for it is now gone um so we'll have to wait and see if that still ends up being a movie that we can review or not. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard uh, or read an article today that DC Universe team is basically completely gutted too. That there's nobody yeah. retained their job from that except for one or two people. Which you know, this is all hearsay, people, industry insiders and stuff. So there's been no official anything, but um, you know that just more lends more to the you know DC Universe going away theory. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good point. It's a sad point because the shows on like the DC Universe app and experience may not have been what any of us were looking for, but the show quality, I think, was very high. The original content they produced was really fantastic and definitely worth the app um, just to get it all off the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's in terms of, uh, you know, live action DC content, we haven't gotten a lot that was really true to the comic books you know you could talk about arrow and flash and legends of tomorrow and all those but uh i mean they had to make a lot of concessions on all those characters because uh, they're on the cw but the streaming network shows i mean swamp thing was extremely true to the character and very good and titans maybe has a little more liberties with the characters but still closer than anything we've got on the cw um so yeah it's uh, I'm glad it's going to HBO Max because I want the shows to continue and they'll probably have a higher budget there. But, uh, you know, I, DC Universe, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the shows on HBO Max likely if, if DC Universe shows hadn't been successful. Yeah. I think a great example is just Doom Patrol. Who, who else would have allowed anybody to make that show? That show is so off the wall. It is so strange and so ambitiously out there. Uh, I love it. I know that you guys do too. And mm-hmm. it would be, so the, sh- the show was impacted by COVID. They're one episode short for season two. It would be a damn shame if they never get any ability to wrap up that story. So you guys haven't, you guys have finished season two now? We have. Yeah. They, if they don't get a season three, then that's like a huge middle finger to all the fans because yep. they, the way they, they had to end it because of COVID was not, it did not leave it in a place that you want to leave a show as, as, as a series. Unfortunately, every end is completely loose at this point. And I don't think a show would have ended. So if it ended right now, I couldn't even fathom. It would be one of the worst series finales. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would just be awful. I totally agree. I'm with you. I mean, and, and if they can't get a season, I mean, they have to at least get a movie length story to finish this up, a, a Christmas special, some type of nonsense to to wrap that up. They have to be able to finish something. 
Absolutely. You know, to give people a sense. Because here, here's the thing. If this is the end of the show, I don't know that I can continue to recommend it. I've been recommending it to people because uh, people have signed up for HBO Max and they're not sure what to watch. And this is kind of a, an under the radar show for people who don't follow the comic book superhero genre much. Um, yes. But if this is how it ends, like I can't continue to recommend it. Yeah, that's horrible payoff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope that it gets more. I hope that Harlequin gets a third season. I hope that Titans gets back as well. And For maybe Swamp Thing. Yeah, I was gonna say man, that's even a possibility. You know, don't say I, it, Rachel, my sweet summer child. Right? You were getting ready to say that. <laughs> I wasn't actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was not. Hold out uh, hope for all the fans out there. Like, honestly, I don't think it's coming back this year. Probably not even next year with how much went into it. It's but, probably never coming back. I mean, uh, honestly. No, the truth is it's a worthwhile character. The show was fairly successful. It was canceled before it even aired because of money issues. So that's not giving it a fair shake. So I honestly think that wherever DC lands, it's going to have... A revival. I just don't think it'll be anytime soon. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, at least you have, you're on the hope train with me. It might <laughs> even like the, since Constantine is on Legends of Tomorrow, it might even happen there where they just bring in a CG version of the character and see how people like him. Yeah, don't do that. This one. I don't want. <laughs> He's not a CW. I mean, he is a CW character technically right now, but only on the seed or whatever right so yeah i mean i can't imagine with a cw budget that that can look good <laughs> it's not king shark like we were all impressed with how king shark and gorilla Groud look but swamp thing was much different well him being expensive is incredible and i would hate to go there but i'm just saying it's not unlike dc to test the waters it's true on the cw you're right um so yeah i mean that's where we are at the end of the day it's it is really sad to see dc and warner brothers get get hit like this um a lot of of production companies are not doing particularly well disney posted its first quarterly loss in over 20 years um but you know it, warner brothers is taking or warner media excuse me is taking a pretty drastic step and so i definitely feel bad for all of the creators that are out of a job right now because this is not going to be an easy time to find another opportunity um it's also bringing out some really horrible people um kelly sue DeConnick and gail simone just two female writers kept their jobs and people are looking at this like uh it's some big sjw battle and all we're gonna see now is a ton of agendas pushed and you know there will be a gay aquaman and a black batgirl and every like it's just brought out the worst of tr twitter so i'm not i really wish people would focus on the fact that people lost their jobs instead of like well this art isn't going to directly reflect me anymore like no no sweetheart there's still plenty of straight white guys in comics you're good yeah. We need all the straight white guys. <laughs> I mean, people were mad way back when they made Alan Scott Green Lantern uh, gay in Earth 2. Uh, people were really mad about that. And so uh, I'm not, not surprised. Earth 1. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, right? Like, yeah. 
they don't get me wrong alan scott's the original green lantern but he's kind of the least well-known today and so they took the least well-known lantern today on a different earth and made him gay and it still made people mad so yeah you know someone's gonna there's always gonna be those people who just like to be mad whether they even believe it or not they just want to be trolls mm-hmm. um well they should really learn about the uh, multiverse concept and the fact that there's infinite realities where everyone is gay on yeah, some I mean, planet like on some other earth and there, there's a gay version of everyone throughout everything including the trolls that's and right. us and, and that's us. what i'm saying they're, like, they're, all of us yeah it's that's how multiverse there's actually works. a uh multiverse planet where our show is called super gay and then one where it's called gay heroes yeah, Probably. but un- un- unfortunately, that means there's also a universe where we're the trolls, and that's oh, I to hate think about. that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So you know, at least it's not this Earth. It's not. Can we this go Earth. beat those guys up? <laughs> sure, get that little thing from the uh, show, from the Flash show, and we can just that's press right. the button and go to the yeah. Earth. We're Cisco. That's right. Get him on the phone. <laughs> so, is is there any other news that you guys want to cover? I think that's everything we discussed. No, Shazam Gate 2022. Oh man! Do we need new shirts? Filming for Shazam starts in 2021. Big news! Nobody could have guessed. Like, there's no ba- nothing backing up the news article. It's just some guys like, well, if it's going to come out in 2022, they're probably going to start it in spring 2021. But now he has an industry insider telling them that uh, that's when it's going to start filming. So nice. Yeah, I mean that's not super surprising. I know a lot of that's what I mean. It's like waiting, anybody could have so. guessed that. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's just funny to me. But are you guys excited for any of the teasers that we're potentially getting for for fandom? Yes. Absolutely. What do you think we're going to get? I mean, we know we're going to get a Snyder Cut trailer. Well, we're supposed sure. to get a look at the Batman as well. 30 second, yeah, supposedly, according to an Instagram post that was taken down real quick, uh, a 30 second teaser. What do you think we'll get in that Batman teaser? Do you think we'll see Catwoman? Yes. In the I full really suit? So. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we see I Penguin. Do. I think yeah. we see Penguin. Yeah. I think they want to show off what he looks like. I think, yeah, I think you're probably right that they'll show the characters that we've already seen, like, set photos of, because we know that's the only shit that's gotten filmed. Um, but we haven't seen any set photos of Catwoman, so I don't know. I feel like they'll, like, end it with it, like, panning up on her, and then they won't show her face or anything. I'd be fine <laughs> with that, too, to be completely honest. Like, you don't have to give me everything. You really As someone who, who makes cowls for a partial living... If they did that, I'd be pissed. You want that. <laughs> Give it to me. See, I was thinking the opposite. You start, you pan down so they can show the ears and the goggles and then cut before you see your face. No, if they do that, they'll just show a silhouette where you can't make out any details and I'll have to go through and like enhance, enhance and get, like as many details as I can. <laughs> I call shenanigans. Do you think we'll get uh, any other teasers? Do you think we'll, we'll see any Black Adam? I think we'll get a little bit of information about uh wonder woman for sure maybe they'll show a side character maybe we'll just get some good uh like another trailer or something like a, yeah, final, a new full trailer final trailer um i uh, dwayne johnson's gonna be there so i absolutely think that we're gonna get some black adam news whether it's like a costume fitting or screen test Casting whether, information yeah yeah it's something maybe he makes an appearance in shazam too I think we're going to see him in costume. He's going to. So? Yeah. I, I think, think that wishing. would be a huge reveal. I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
look, he's a he's a busy guy, you know, and he's he's just bought his own football league and he's got a TV show that he produces. Um, so if he's going to be there for this, I think it's got to be a little bit more than just like some casting information. So I expect it to be something that he needs to be there for. Well, I mean, if they're announcing casting of the Justice Society, then that's a that's pretty big casting information for huge. DC fans. That's you know true. I mean? It's that's not true. as big as seeing him in the costume, but that's still pretty big. That's fair. Especially yeah. if they have those people as like unannounced fans or unannounced uh, guests, you know, mm-hmm. whoever it is. You know. I mean, if it's unannounced fans, maybe it's one of us. It could be. I think Rachel's in it. I don't know for sure, though. <laughs> that would be awesome. If I got to play ISIS. Oh my there you God. go. I shouldn't <laughs> play ISIS because I'm a very pale, overweight white woman, but it would okay. be cool. You know? Cool the, that's right. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, if that's going to be it for news, I think we'll go ahead and take our break so we can come back and talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Woo! So we'll be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back, everybody. We are Screen Heroes, and we are talking Scott Pilgrim versus the world on its 10th anniversary which is actually the day this episode releases, which is pretty cool. That was convenient. You're convenient. Totally planned this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh, released August 13, 2010, with a decent-sized budget of $85 million, and it did not make back its budget it made a total of 48 million worldwide in the box office plus another 28 and a half on dvd and blu-ray sales so you know it got close uh it got kind of close to its budget when you include those sales it's kind of a almost a cult classic in a way it definitely became a cult classic and the, one of the producers told Edgar Ray that he got really upset after the first week at the box office. And one of the producers is like, no, no, no. This movie, is you have to think years. You can't think days. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, directed by Edgar Wright, um, which which is really great. Stars Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Ellen Wong. Brandon Routh, Chris Evans, Brie Larson. So lots, lots of people in this movie. Lots and lots of people in this movie. Um, great music, great, great uh, soundtrack to it. All that type of cool stuff. Bef- I mean, no, let's just spoiler warnings and all that kind of that that kind of crap. Um, we'll just dive right in. So the movie, of course, is based off of the uh, graphic novel. Um, it was based on like it was all six or seven, all six novels, all six yeah. of the novels. Um, even though fun it's na- fact, the sixth one wasn't written yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they consulted the the author of it and, and all that kind oh, of. Oh, he stuff. was on set every yeah. day, and he actually lifted a few things from Edgar when finishing. Well, there you go. That's art influencing art right there. I didn't know that. Um, 
so I'm just going to say it out of the gate that this is absolutely one of my favorite movies like ever. It's in my top 10. I love it. Edgar Wright is, I think my favorite director. Um, so this movie has everything I could really want. What, what about you guys? What's, what's your history with this movie? Did you see it when it first came out? Are you newer to it? What's your general thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it in my top 10, but I do very much enjoy the movie. Um, and I always have, I mean, I, I was of the, of the 42 million that it made or whatever, you know, I did my part. Uh, I don't see a lot of movies more than once in theaters, but I definitely saw this one more than once. Um, it, it was, it was exactly what I wanted it to be as someone who hadn't read the graphic novel, but had read about the graphic novel and had seen art from the graphic novel. Um, cause I thought the trailer looked interesting. I did the same thing with Watchmen. When I saw the trailer, I thought it looked interesting. So I went and read Watchmen. I actually read the graphic novel, but, uh, with this, I, I just read about the graphic novel and the influences and the art. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. And I've always thought it was great. And I've always been somebody who pushed people that hadn't seen the movie to see it. Um, you know, I was disappointed when it didn't make the money and that, you know, it's, it was, I, you, you knew, you heard in the news that Edgar Wright was upset about it and the people that saw it knew that it was something special, but they couldn't influence enough people to go see it to make a difference. Ray, what about you? Well, I went to go see it opening weekend. I ended up reading all six graphic novels after the fact. Uh, not much is different between the two. I absolutely adore this film. I might put it in my top 10. I haven't actually worked on my movie list in a while, but I'm, I, I might. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie and it follows characters that are grounded and real in a world that is fictional and insane. So I do love that. Did any, either of you guys watch the uh, table read that they did, like, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, I think it was, maybe a month ago? I they did. released, they had a whole reunion of ever, almost everybody that was on the movie and did a full table read of the entire movie. Um, I watched some I, of it. I watched, like, the first 20-ish minutes. I watched the whole fucking thing. And it <laughs> felt like I just watched the movie, honestly. And I went, we went back and watched the movie again for this podcast, and... Uh, you know, I felt like I had just watched it because of that table read, but it was great. Uh, the guy that plays, uh, who was the first Evil X that he fights? Oh, Patel? Uh, yeah, Is Matthew, that, Matthew Patel. Patel. Yeah, that guy, I didn't even recognize him at the table read. He looked so different in the movie. It was funny. But yeah, Chris Evans actually showed up. I couldn't mm -hmm. believe that, but he obviously had a soft yeah. spot for the movie too. Well, and, um, and Brandon Ralph actually wore the shirt that his yeah, character wore in the great. movie, which is just... Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised uh, with him because he's a fan, right? Yeah. He's a fan of a lot of things, and, and he's he always gives it his all. But Chris Evans has gone way beyond what Scott Pilgrim was, mm -hmm. um, you know. So that, I thought that was pretty cool, especially when Alison Brie couldn't be... Or Alison Brie. Uh, Brie Larson couldn't be bothered to show up for it, so... Well, we don't know why she wasn't there. I'm sure. In this she, quarantine day, she's probably very busy things i mean things come mm. up it's not like these sure. people are doing zero work i I just don't want to make any assumptions okay you know? we don't Chris know Evans, he's doing no work so i didn't mean that just saying know, but if for captain some, america can show up for some people it's more of a passion right like look at brandon ralph for example like he took this role after he was superman right you know a lot of actors wouldn't have done that a lot of actors would have seen that as a bit part 
you know, and a, a joke, but he took it on and, you know, really gave it his all. And it's an amazing bit. So everybody's different and, you know, who knows what she was up to, but, um, I actually did not see this movie when it first came out. Oh, well, I you can't be on the podcast. I know. I didn't know what it was and it did so poorly that I just decided to skip it for a long time. Um, and then somebody, I don't even remember who now told me I had to watch it because I liked video games. <laughs> that was, that was their reasoning for it. Uh, and I mean, they're not wrong, obviously, but, uh, but I did, you know, um, and it quickly became like almost instantly one of my favorite movies ever. And between this and the Cornetto trilogy um, and, you know, baby driver, it's just the way Edgar Wright does his films. That's just for me. That's what I want in a movie most of the time. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's just, we have some different perspectives there. So I, I did not do my part to help the movie, but I did go see it in theaters at Alamo a couple of years ago. So it got my money. Oh, I'm sure they added that to the box office total. So good work. <laughs> I, I was the one who pushed it over to be even. Right, I, but... I bought the tickets and I cosplayed to that event. You mm. were just my So date. Derek did not do his part. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I paid for dinner, which was more than the tickets. How about that? That's very possible. <laughs> yeah. At Alamo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very possible. Um. All right. So... There's a lot of different ways we could go at this. Well, right? why don't we just start with who's your favorite evil ex? Oh, wow. I mean, I think my favorite evil ex is probably Chris Evans' character. Is that because of his character by himself or his entire scene? The scene. Okay. I think the scene is the most the most fun. You've got all the stunt double like movie production jokes that are in there that I think are just really clever. Um, he plays it just just so well. I mean, I think what one thing that Edgar Wright is able to do is get everybody to put in 110% in every single line that comes out of their mouths, every expression that's caught on camera. And Chris Evans is no exception to that. I don't he, think he actually relaxed his eyebrows. Once. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. His eyebrows deserve an Oscar for that role. I mean, I've never seen a more visually stunning uh, <laughs> amount of acting from eyebrows before from any actor. And The Rock has tried. The Rock has tried. He's probably one of the closer ones, but I mean, yeah. those eyebrows. I can't those even like eyebrows. It's insane. Mm -hmm. it's I just thought it was CG perfect. at first because it was just. I don't <laughs> didn't think it was possible to like move your eyebrows independently the way he did. But apparently, he just has so such fine motor control over his uh, eyebrows that it was oh, perfect. That's really funny. Um, I, I mean, I even like how the scene starts where like he's just saying a line like in the movie, but he's actually talking to scott you know just the way it starts and and all the the stunt double stuff is just really great i like i really like meta humor and stunt like stunt double jokes like you know Spaceballs has a, a stunt double joke I, I always love that type of stuff and in here you know he has to fight like there's like six or seven stunt doubles that he has to fight and they all look like a lot like chris Evans his character except for their eyebrows except for their eyebrows yeah when evan stops walks away and like says he's gonna get coffee <laughs> that was just the best so yeah I, I i love it i i think he um he just sells it so well 
it's really perfect so that's my favorite ryan how about you yeah i mean i would probably agree but since derek already took that one i'm gonna say uh brandon routh um well a lot of that is not actually due to brandon routh but because you get to get thomas jane cameo because of brandon routh um but i do like the way that you know right from the beginning first of all rewatching this movie there, there's a lot of violence against women in this movie yeah um so that's a thing but yeah when he like you start off hating him because he punches the the highlights out of like he punches knives it's not like a yeah. slap or something he straight up jacks her in the face yes he does so that's something so you hate him right away um but then you hate him because he's a vegan and he does the thing where vegans just talk about how much they're vegan and how much how they're better than you, um, which is great. I love that because you know we've all talked to those people. Uh, and he does <laughs> not have the vegan body. Like that's His the hair. funny part. He has the vegan hair. He has the vegan hair, but he does not have the vegan body. That's like, true. Yeah, you have to have protein to get a body like that. I'm sorry. It's Zach just, Braff has the works. vegan body. Oh, but he I, I do. Does like, he's vegan? <laughs> It's I like do a slam like that, on Zach Braff out of nowhere. <laughs> no. I do like that Scott tries, like, he's one of the, this is one of the exes where Scott has to try a lot of different ways to actually beat him. Some of the other ones are very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, If he hadn't tricked him, he wouldn't have won. Right. I mean, he tried straight up fighting him, got his ass beat. He tried a base battle, got his ass beat. So, you know, he had to try multiple things, and then he ran into some of the other exes, you know, like Matthew mm-hmm. Patel. It's just straight up fight. You know, and a lot of them are that way. Um, so, yeah, Brandon Ralph as a character, I thought was the most interesting. And I I think the vegan powers are hilarious. Um, yeah, and the mind's eye, you know, th- th- that whole line was great. Um, and the hair dropping, oh, all yeah. that was great. So it was good. not my favorite fight scene, but no. it was my favorite uh, X. I'm with you there. Ray, what's yours? It's got to be Roxy. Yeah. Yeah, like, let's be honest, Uh, Lucas Lee and uh, Todd Ingram and Roxy are the most interesting of the exes. They, They just are. They have fun camera presence. They're all completely different. All three of the fights are pretty much back to back, and they're all, like, just pretty... I don't want to say different again, but they are. They're more entertaining, in my opinion. The The middle chunk of the movie is incredible. But Roxy is fun. She gets a ton of really cool lines. She gets to fight both Scott and Ramona. And uh, Ramona and her get really cool weapons to play mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah, so... That, that- that one oh, is my favorite fight scene in the movie um, for, so for cool. several reasons. Like, it, it's very different. You don't, so seeing the weapons is really cool mm-hmm. because, you know, a hammer, a big hammer and a, what's essentially a, a, a whipping type weapon, a flail type weapon. You don't really see either of those in any kind of martial arts media or, or fight scenes. So seeing those against each other was really cool. Um, and then on top of that, after that fight, you get uh, Scott, who doesn't want to hit a girl, uh, being f- used as essentially a puppet by Ramona. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that fight scene choreography was really interesting and different, too. So I, 
I, this is not something I generally think about from Edgar Wright, but it's something that he really did was make a really cool and an interesting fight scene. Uh, a lot of them were, were kind of boring, but that one w was really entertaining, and that's one I could watch over and over again, and definitely my fight, favorite fight scene in the movie. Agreed. Yeah, I, I love when Ramona's controlling Scott in the fight. I think that's just one of the coolest choreographed things. It's it's so different and unique, and it must have been it must have been very challenging, but also hilarious to learn and film that, you know. Um, and I just I wish I could have been on set for for some of that just to see how they handled it in real life. I did love that they focused on footwork for part of it too, because a lot of fights, if, uh, if you ask any boxer or a uh, mixed martial artist, they're going to tell you that footwork is a, is a good portion of the fight, if not the majority of the fight. So when uh, they switch and the camera goes to the footwork, um, I, that's something I always appreciate in a movie when it's good footwork and that they highlight that. And that was, sorry, I keep interrupting about the fight scene, but yeah. Oh no, great. you're totally good. That's a great point. I wanted to say a couple things about the fights. First of all, a lot of this was done without stunt doubles. Now, definitely stunt coordinators, definitely stunt teachers on set, but you can tell by the way the fight scenes are uh, both choreographed and edited where we see their faces more often than we don't. So, you know, they're close-up shots. They're not wides. They're not, you know, the Liam Neeson jumps over the fence and there's 80 cuts to get them there so that's I mean that's pretty cool in itself and then also uh women on women fights are not usually great because they're usually directed by male directors and choreographed by male stunt coordinators and they think we're really delicate I've heard so many behind the scenes of men saying like, oh, we just wanted it to be like ballet. You know, uh, Whedon is notorious for that. James Gunn has said that's what he wanted uh, Nebula and Gamora to look like. Like they were just dance fighting. And this was not dance fighting. <laughs> so Roxy versus Ramona was not, and Knives versus Ramona was not a, oh my God, we're, we're doing pirouettes and ninja kicks and it, like it wasn't like that it was really well done without holding punches because they were women yeah i agree and i think that actually the knives and uh ramona fight is also that's probably my second favorite fight scene in the movie well i mean it happens several times but you know what i mean the yeah um when she's using like the improvised uh brazier or whatever it is uh as a defensive weapon against uh knives knives um, <laughs> you know that that was really cool i love improvised weaponry and that was a neat thing too so but yeah like you said and maybe that was a big part of the difference is you know there's nothing wrong with uh ballet fighting necessarily i mean if it's done in a good way even men doing a more of a dance type fight can be done really well but um you don't see women do just like a brutal fight very often and uh you know this was definitely they weren't being treated like delicate flowers they right. were given really really cool shit to do um so yeah i to i totally agree i really appreciate that in this movie yeah because i mean it like you were saying it can work like you look at a movie like hero for example which we reviewed like last year or whatever it's it's more dance related fighting it's very um slow and methodical and ethereal you know and it works for that movie but everybody does it 
in that movie. It's not just the women, right? The men fight that way too. And so it's a, it's a tone, it's a style in this case. I mean, I think, I think it works incredibly well the way they do it. It's very, it's very fast and cut and lean and tight. And it goes with the way Edgar Wright films are right at the end of the day, the way he does any type of action sequence is kind of rhythmed in that way. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think that's why it works for him even though fighting may not be like his, his forte, the style he was going for fit how he does films. Agreed. Absolutely. So let's talk about the music component here because music is a huge aspect of this film. And like Derek and I owned the LP soundtrack. And while we enjoy listening to it, it's so much better when it's played with the movie. And I don't know a lot of soundtracks that are like that. I think that, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Garden State soundtrack, there's so many soundtracks that I praise, but I think they sound really good on their own too. And this one, all of them make more sense when the movie is playing. So I I just think that Edgar Wright really thought it out and made it so that you can't hear these songs without also picturing the movie. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I, I see the movie when I listen to the soundtrack. I was even listening to it today while I was doing some work and I can definitely picture everything that's going on. Um, I, I still really like listening to it on its own. I think what, what I, one thing I really like about it is how different the music is throughout the film stylistically mm-hmm. um, and tonally. It's just, it's really kind of varied, but when it's, it's just, it's basically used as a character in the movie though it sets the tone and in one uh, fight it literally becomes a character and is fighting uh for scott which which is a pretty uh interesting moment um i i I like pretty much all of the music in this there's obviously like the so sad song that's more of a joke than a song but um you know that aside uh, i really enjoy the soundtrack yeah, I've got uh, I've got a few of the songs on my Spotify playlist. I don't I don't really do full soundtracks generally like you guys do, but uh, you know the songs that I really like that are my favorites are in my Spotify playlist. But uh, something that uh, you know I brought up on the show before that I appreciate in a movie is when music gets kind of a personification or like a physical physical form, um, and it doesn't happen a ton. But uh, but the, this movie is one of the examples I always cite when I'm talking about that because um, that fight scene was really, really cool uh, in a different way than like the Roxy fight scene was Mm -hmm. seeing the music fighting, physically fighting the music. You know, you have the battle of the bands and, you know, things like that where it's called a battle and it's Bay music based, but it's just sound. And, you know, it's hard to picture that as a battle. Um, But with that fight, the Katianagi twins, I think it was, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it was great seeing a physical you know interaction happen based on the music i really like that a lot and uh yeah that's like i said it's always been one of my favorites ever since this movie came out for for talking about something like that i agree and uh, you know another musical well like i guess three of the fights are fairly musical but we haven't really talked about matthew patel's fight he breaks out into a full-on bollywood dance scene which is completely out of nowhere and a lot of fun and I feel like they didn't tell all the extras they were going to do that because some of them looked genuinely surprised all of a sudden this was a musical and I loved that it's so crazy 
Well, and, and to kind of keep that in mind, it's it's a nice bridge for what Edgar Wright was going for, which is he wanted he looked at this movie as a musical, but instead of breaking out into song, you break out into fight. And you look at his other movies, Baby Driver's a good example, and uh, Shaun of the Dead's a great example. Their soundtracks are amazing. He looks at all of his movies like this, and I just, they blend so well with the film that I didn't really notice it first. Matthew Patel, for me, is probably the weakest of all the X's in terms of, like, if I had to rank him, he would probably be my last one. The Bollywood stuff is fine, but, you know, he has these cool powers and barely uses them and then gets instantly beaten when he gets a plate thrown at his head while he has, like, dancing gothic Demons. women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All around him, and he can throw fireballs. You know, there's no reason why he should be beaten by a guy that looks like he's never been in a fight before. Um, so this, it's kind of a weird introduction to Scott's character for me because – he doesn't even know there's a fight, but then he's instantly ready to fight and a master fighter. Um, whereas this guy's, you know, a member of the League of Evil Exes, presumably has done this before. Um, you know, he fought a lot when him and Ramona were together. You know, all the exes have that in common. So they all have combat experience. But somehow this guy from Canada that's barely ever talked to a girl before is an expert fighter and beats them all. And, you know, it's more believable as the movie goes on, but because he's the first one that you run into it's kind of a weird steep learning curve. And I, and that's, that's always been the weakest part of this movie for me. So, so two things on that. One thing that's interesting is that's the only fight that Scott wins on his own without any help. Mm -hmm. he, he always has help in the remaining fights um, in some capacity. And then um, it kind of like, so f when, when you look at it as the idea was for it to be a movie where people break out into fight instead of break out into song, then the fighting is just like in a musical where everybody can sing and dance, right? It's just, it's just a thing that everybody does. And so I take it more as everybody can fight if there's a fight that they're going to break out into because that's just what the genre of film is. It's almost like a separate genre, right? Where you have musicals and then you have, I, I don't know, fighter, fighters, fights. Except uh, that's not a genre. That's my problem. Like, sure. It's, it's a different, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. Well, it's like a video game. Everybody is capable to a certain degree. Like you have your weaker fighters that we probably don't even get to see, um, like Wallace. And then you have <laughs> your boss fights like uh, Todd Ingram. Speaking of Wallace, I never noticed that he was Macaulay Culkin's brother. Yeah, like really? I there's def, but now, but when when the credits first like the face start listing off the names, uh, I was like. Culkin I wonder if he's related to Macaulay Culkin and so I looked it up and then then once I once I knew that he was I could totally see it first of all in his physical appearance but then also in like a lot of his mannerisms yeah Kieran they're Culkin. extremely similar uh, oh, yeah. I think I apologize I think I left him off the list when I was saying who is who started and he was him. great he uh, was Kieran wonderful Culkin, yeah yeah he was a great wall great as Wallace I was just about to say like uh, there's the X's and then there's also Scott's side friends his band and people that we never get to see fight, but are all around him. So who's your favorite side character like that? Or That's, that's really tough. I mean, Wallace is wonderful. He's the roommate. He has a lot of screen time and some really great lines that he gets to deliver. Um, so probably him. I'm going to, I would say Wallace. Wallace is a lot of fun. I feel like Stacy and Julie, Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza, their characters are 
very underrated because they're barely used. I was going to say Kim because I think that she is also barely used, but yes. just in terms of like having a mean mug, Scott, she did Constantly. a great job. Yeah. And she's always like just, she's there to play music. That's what she's there for. She's the first one ready to dive in before anybody even says anything. Uh, and I think that that uh, is is cool, right? She's always ready to start the song before anybody else is. And, and I like that about her. I love that she gets mad in the Battle of the Bands when the other band has a girl drummer. Um, I don't like that. Every Well, but every band has a girl drummer in this movie. And so it's yeah. just, it, I just thought it was a funny joke. Why don't you like it? Uh, because I don't really like in movies when women get jealous of other women. Ah. It's it's such an old trope. And, you know, it's that's uh, it's just a little cliche that that's their hook. So. But I mean, they also did that with knives and there were yeah. several examples of that in this movie. I'm sure that was a lot from the comic book and not so much a movie well, decision. I- <laughs> I feel like it's a little different with Knives because she's jealous that Ramona is dating her ex and uh, she stole him. Whereas Kim's just jealous that they have the same hook as they do. So that's that's my thing. Fair enough. I Yeah, uh, that's, that's anyway. fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you guys feel about the kind of video game aesthetic that's wrapped around the entire film between the sound effects, the coins, uh later in the movie when he gets the swords or the one up do you guys think that 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 works here would you have done more or less of it i would have probably re-watching it you know i i watch i i tend to watch it about once a year but like this last time when i rewatched it it was more like uh it was maybe a little overwhelming you know like the pee bar thing <laughs> also for who pees that fast that did go down really fast. Nobody pees that fast. Like I know women I pee, have, have a lot more to go through when they pee than men do, but men don't pee that fast. Like in general, at least when I go to the urinal and there's other dudes peeing in the urinal, that nobody can pee like in one second and be done. That's just not how it works. <laughs> and so that that one bothered me more this watch. But you know, I don't know. That wasn't really a necessary shot for the movie. Uh, and there's there's a few times when it's a little much when he gets a life like uh, did that really add anything to the movie for me not really like the sound effects and stuff the more subtle stuff I think worked the best Um, I did like the sword and some of like the announcer voiceover type stuff was cool Um, Mm, but I think it was a little overused in my opinion but I don't I that doesn't I don't hold that against the film I think some of that was because also because when it was made and my preferences as an older man now have changed than what they were when I was a younger man. So it's funny you bring up the P thing because this viewing was the first time I noticed the P bar. Oh, never, really? Yeah, I never noticed it wow. before. <laughs> so it's funny you bring that up. Yeah. Uh, Ray, what about you? Uh, I really enjoy the video game stuff a lot. I honestly wish more movies did artistic takes like this jumping mediums or crossing over with certain stuff it feels it feels unique it feels fun it brings an extra level to this like we've talked about the martial arts we've talked about music and now we've talked about video games and you just don't get that kind of stuff with um a lot of movies i agree it made the film feel feel much more stylized than Mm -hmm. um uh, you know, it was it was kind of it wasn't an independent film, but it definitely felt more like an independent film because of because of that stylization. You know, you don't really get that in 
general in like big tentpole movies and things like that. Right. So um, that's something I've always loved about this movie is that it feels super stylized, but not in a way that you, when you see a stylized, you know, it wasn't like shot in black and white or like, right. you know, the, like the things that are tropes of, of a stylized movie now. It was mm-hmm. just this video game stylization. And I, and I thought that was really cool. And it's always been made this movie unique. Yeah. Uh, what, one of the things I like that's, that kind of is that video game aesthetic is the kind of like slow motion, almost like anime moments where someone's going to go to punch somebody and they kind of like freeze in a certain position as they move across the screen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I really like those moments. I think they, they're really cool. I think they're shot really well. Um, and the, the rest of it is just the way Edgar Wright shoots stuff. I love um, like, you know, Ray's background here where you've got the screen is split up and it's just different characters faces reacting to something. I love that. I love being able to see multiple things happening at the same time that are kind of in tune with each other, but different. Um, there's a few different moments throughout the movie where that kind of stuff happens. The Edgar Wright's kind of classic quick cuts that you see a lot in uh, the Cornetto trilogy and baby driver is just stylistically things. I really enjoy in an action based movie. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's an action film if you really want to boil it down to, to its absolute base. Um, but I really enjoy all of that. When you say that, it's inc- one of the best scenes in this whole movie, best cuts, best everything. It stands up against some of the best movies on the planet ever made is when Clash of Demon Head is performing and he makes eye contact. He does the close-ups of the four of their faces, Todd, Envy, Ramona, and Scott. And like that is so admired by uh, people that it's taught in film school now because it's so interesting to have the music build, the tension build, and everybody's face cut at the same time. It's it's still like really powerful and one of the coolest scenes just editorial wise. What's Brandon Routh mean mugging? I mean, Oh, right. So good. He looks so <laughs> scary. Yep. I love it. And yet still good looking, you know? Yes. Well, you can be scary and good looking. <laughs> ah, okay. Then that's, I guess that's, that's him then right there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, let's see. So there's of course, I mean, there's the ending which if any part of the movie is really controversial, the ending certainly is. Um, a lot of people feel that he should have ended up with knives. There's even an alternate ending where he does and Ramona goes her, her way. Cause that's how the comic book ends. And I mean, I have an opinion, but I would like to know your opinions as well. Do you like the way the movie ends or do you think it should have been different? I always thought the ending was kind of like the weakest part. Uh, you know, you introduce Negascott and then he just like walks out having a chat with him. That was fine. That was funny. You know, <laughs> you, you, it wasn't what you were expecting. But the, I don't I don't know if it would have been any better if he ended up with knives because I didn't really buy into their relationship anyway. I don't think you were supposed to. So, I mean, I don't. And it, but him ending up with Ramona didn't seem right either. So I don't know. I don't know what the ending should have been, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely a better ending that exists out somewhere. And I don't think it was actually filmed or written or created in any way. I 
agree that the ending is a little weak, but not because of who he ends up with, mainly because the, I always hated the walking into a door and that being the closure of things. I absolutely love the fact that Scott and Ramona get together. First of all, Knives is still way too young. Just because they are a good team doesn't mean they're a good couple. And he was really cruel to her. Whereas Ramona had her own baggage and the two of them grew together. You know, I think by the end, they're both better people. And I really feel that Knives deserves better. She, she truly is too good for him. And Ramona and Scott kind of deserve each other. I'm with you there. I, I agree completely. I, I'm not saying that, you know, in 10 years, will there the age gap between Scott and Knives matter? Not anywhere near as much, of course. But she still is a minor at the age mm -hmm. of 17. Um, and he's 22. And so that's still problematic. Um, so if he's going to end up with one of them, I'm glad it's Ramona. I think to Ryan's point, maybe there would have been a good third option where, you know, the realization that he has about, um, you know, taking self-respect. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole kind of crux of the film, right? Is him learning to be a better person and, and even having respect for himself, you know, as well as other people, maybe he needed to kind of go on some you know, some other mission to, to learn more about himself and how to be a better person. Same with, same with Ramona, right? I mean, she kind of learned a similar lesson throughout the film. Mm -hmm. So that third option may have been better from a narrative perspective, but I definitely think the ending we got is better than him going with knives. Yeah. So there's that. The door thing. I mean, I don't know. Do a lot of movies do that? I don't recall another example it's the same thing when it's like walking off into the sunset and... uh, okay but this movie has it's it's not like it's out of the blue that, that no. happens several times in this movie there's a magic door that, that sends them someplace it's part right. of the, part of the stylization so i didn't have as much of the problem with that it's a little bit of a cop-out for sure but um at least it wasn't unprecedented in the movie it's not like this was the only time we saw it at least you know that would have been right. worse i think if it was out of nowhere, a door appears, and that's how they end the movie. Yeah, yeah, that would have been too much. I think it would have been a little bit stronger if they just walked down the dark street and you know faded off into the distance. But that's still the kind of riding off into the sunset. But then all of but... the other doors that they used throughout the movie would have been wasted. It was all, all to set that up. Yeah, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I know the riding off in the sunset thing. I never really bothered me. I always thought it was a cute. Because, like, it's not really the end, right? There's still more story to tell. If that's, you know, the the case, there are some movies where it works. I think the, you know, going off, starting a new chapter thing really works for, say, Casablanca. I just don't think it works for Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> that's all. Fair enough. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's fine. Um, we didn't really talk about Gideon at all and he is kind of a big part of the movie as the the quote big bad uh, and jason schwartzman plays a douche so well <laughs> and i mean that in the best possible way because like he really does play that annoying character and he's so, i can't see 
a lot of actors who play such dislikable characters or unlikable characters in likable ways. It's interesting. It's yeah. really funny. Gideon is fine. I mean, his fight scene stuff is cool, but I think he used a stunt double more than anybody else, and that was pretty yes. obvious. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a character, he was fine. He 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 was the big bad of the movie, but you know, his, his the stuff that they did was not really notable, and I think that's not really you know why we haven't really talked about it because it's it is fine and it's important to the movie, but it doesn't really stand out in any meaningful way. Um, the, all the interactions with him and Scott, other than him being a giant dick, and like we get it, but other he he punches women, so does Brandon Routh. Like it's not like that was unheard of with the other exes, so he doesn't really stand out at all. No, the coolest part about the chaos theater is, uh, you know, Scott fighting all those guys and them turning into coins and laying in uh, the like body kinda, shapes. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. The knives, Ramona, Scott fight, uh, the death scene and coming back and doing it all over again, like the bands playing, those those are really cool. Gideon is just there and he's not very formidable. He's just kind of a douche. <laughs> yeah. I will say that like given the set design and I know the goal was to use the real actors as much as possible, but incorporating the steps in the fight, I think maybe could have been utilized a little bit more instead of it just being people rolling down the stairs. You could have had some fighting on the stairs, but that obviously would have been a lot more complicated to choreograph and shoot. Yeah. What is there anything else that we haven't touched on? Is there anything else anybody would like to mention? This film has a million fun facts. Tons of them. And it's absolutely insane. If you pay attention from start to finish, every single X has their number in the background. Brandon Routh's is probably the easiest because he's flat out wearing a three. But once he starts using the vegan powers, three start popping up all over the background. Um, There's a two on... Uh, Chris Evans neck as well as on his bus and the stunt car heaves is in the scene uh let's see here Matthew Patel the actor who played him so uh Edgar Wright being a British man and having only really worked with British actors up until that point said he was only going to use Canadian and American actors for this and uh, Matthew Patel the actor actually found this out he um didn't tell Edgar that he was British until after his part had wrapped and uh, pretty clever that he got the job like that Uh, when they're on the bus every time you see from Scott's point of view there are hearts behind Ramona and every time you see Ramona's point of view there are X's behind Scott so a lot of little details went into that there's a lot of like random X's in the movie, like everywhere, you know, in the snow, there's a big X and that, that was mm-hmm. one that stood out to me on this viewing. But yeah, there's just throughout the movie, there's a lot of X symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get away with the X-Men yeah. logo on yep. Scott's jacket and he is constantly referred to as like X number zero throughout the whole thing. So that's just another reference to that. We talked about the age stuff a bit about the finale, the end of the film and everything, but uh, Ellen Wong who plays knives is actually older than Michael Sarah. 
mm-hmm. which is kind of a funny thing. So from a production perspective, there was no problem with any of it. Right. Um, it wasn't creepy pedo stuff. Yeah. But she does look younger. I mean, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. They all look pretty freaking young in this movie. As, and maybe it's just because I know what they all look like now. But uh, man, like so, some of them in particular, like Chris Evans, Brandon Routh, they, they look very much the same. But like Brie Larson looks so different uh, 10 years later. I, I almost I forget that it's her in this movie. So Brie Larson actually sang that song. It's uh, It's by... Uh, metric but brie larson was singing that version uh you were saying earlier today that michael Sarah already knew how to play instruments and it was brandon routh allison pill and uh the the actors who played stephen stills and young neil that couldn't and they all learned for the movie yeah not just to, so michael Sarah doesn't just know how to play bass apparently he's quite good And so while everyone else on his band was learning how to play instruments for the first time, he had to kind of dumb down his playing so they could all play at the same level, which is kind of interesting. And I mean, a small kind of detail in the movie is you do get to see his, his bass guitar slowly get beat up over the course of the film. And it ends up being like taped together and and duct tape, that kind of thing, which is a nice bit of continuity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that kind of stuff. I love continuity. When people pay attention to details, I adore it. Like uh, last week I was watching Jurassic Park just on my own and there are some huge continuity errors just because Steven Spielberg wanted there to be more drama and it it still gets to me. (laughs) Rachel, I don't know if you knew this, but Nedry gets killed in that movie. (laughs) I'm pretty sure because you're a woman that you you would just not know that, but I'm glad i'm here to explain it to you (laughs) i am laughing because i actually got uh a little bummed out when i was watching this that no character found the body of nedry or any of the embryos which seems like a giant issue and uh there's so much the movie was already long just add in a small scene where alan or muldoon find the body and you know figure things out that he was betraying them to engine and twitter decided to tell me that nedry had been killed by a dinosaur and i lost my shit on that mansplainer but he did apologize it's a lophosaurus right yes i would know that because is. i'm a man but uh yeah, yeah it's true I well, i'm happy to explain that to you thank you, you. Know? the You're way welcome. they the way they shoot the shaving cream can getting covered in mud was clearly supposed to be picked up later by somebody. Right. Right. At some future film that was supposed to come back into play and it never did. Guys, we're talking about Scott Pilgrim. Sorry. Sorry. Wrong. It's my fault. I brought it up. Wrong. Movie. No, it's fine. But I'll reel us in too. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I think that's probably, it. I mean, there are a million facts about this movie. IMDb has a huge list. If you're, if you're interested, I don't want to just like spend 20 minutes reading through facts, but there's a lot out there. If you are Especially curious, since we're already over by 20 minutes and we are over time. This is true. So I say um, we call it unless anybody has any final thought that they just really want to get off their chest. No. Okay. Nope, I'm good perfect perfect so then that's going to be it for us this week i hope you enjoyed our conversation on scott pilgrim versus the world for its 10th anniversary 
Uh, maybe we'll come back and do it again for its 15th. You know, you never know. But uh, next week, what are we talking about next week? Okay, so another big anniversary this year is the 25th anniversary of the Power Rangers movie. It's going to be an anniversary celebration, but also like a bad movie review because it is a very fun, very terrible film. Where does the stream for our listeners so that they know where to go watch it at? That's a, that's a good question. We will look that up. Our bad movie reviews is something we have not done in quite some time. So that is a segment that we do where we specifically take a movie that is not great and uh, discuss it. The things that might actually be good about it, reasons why it's it's terrible and, and things of that nature. So uh, that is what that is about. You can actually find our whole series of bad movie reviews and there's some good stuff in there that I think uh, we'll be doing a suburban commando coming up in a few weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So true. That, that's definitely on the slate for this fall for sure that's one of our next ones yeah um all right so we of course are screen heroes you can find us at screen heroes pod on twitter or heroespodcast.com or at heroes podcast on facebook we do have a facebook group facebook.com slash group slash screen heroes you can talk to us about movies and tv we do news and memes and polls we're doing this massive sci-fi movie tournament 85 films in this tournament it's huge um so you can come and vote for the best sci-fi films we live stream this show as i said earlier uh in the group every tuesday night 9 p.m eastern you can chat with us during the show it was a little quiet tonight which i was a little surprised about i thought there might be some more more talk about this one but no biggie well we've always got next week um ray how can people find you if they want to talk to you about what happened in jurassic park (laughs) first and foremost uh the tv show with the original cast um american cast of mighty morphin power rangers is on netflix the movie is on hulu so there you go i am at siren ray and if you come at me with jurassic park you better be prepared because i know my shit and uh ryan if people want to talk to you about jurassic park because ray hurt their feelings how can they reach out to you you can find me at buster props on twitter and all the other stuffs or at ra24 is my personal account but if you come at me about jurassic park i'll probably just ignore you because i don't care (laughs) and if you come at him because i hurt your feelings then i'll laugh at you right (laughs) yeah and i'll support rachel because that's what friends do yep I will course... be like, join the club, motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. We've all been there, buddy. We've all had our feelings hurt <laughs> by Rachel before. <laughs> I'm, of course, at the Star Trek dude on Twitter and Facebook. You can find me uh, on the network and some other places. I host Red Shirts and Runabouts, our Star Trek show. Ray is actually helping me out review Star Trek Lower Decks, which is the new animated show on CBS All Access. So you can join us for that. And you can find me on Gamer Heroes, which is our video game podcast here on the network, where Ryan has guested once before and is slated to come up again here in September. And Ray will join me at some point this fall as well. So if you like video games, that's for you. Otherwise, we hope you enjoyed the show. Subscribe, follow, like, review, all that kind of good stuff. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>